As the creator and founder of Horror 365, I want to welcome back all the horror heads to another season of Horror 365. Now, we all know horror is not seasonal. It's a lifestyle, but the Horror 365 show, however, is. In this season, we're going to take things up a notch. We're going to get that fire higher with more guests, more conversations, more interviews, more topic discussions. Hell, maybe even the first ever live Horror 365 show. So, to our day one horror heads and our new horror heads just jumping on board, thank you. Thank you for celebrating horror, not only in October, but 365. As my main man BJ says, it's showtime. All right, horror heads, welcome back to another season, another episode of Horror 365. I am your host, the mouthpiece of the Northeast, Jimmy J, alongside Steve Teases Roman. And joining us today, a very special guest. We have Mr. Sean Clark, the man of a thousand hats. Sean, how are you today? Uh, busy. <laughs> it's been a busy day. <laughs> uh, I can imagine. You are probably one of the busiest guys I know. And uh, yeah, we do appreciate you taking the time for us over here today. Horror no 365. What was your introduction to horror? Um, I don't remember the exact movie, but um, my parents would take me to horror films as I mean, when I was practically an infant. And um, so I think I think probably my earliest memory of a horror film was 1974. I would have been three or four years old at the drive-in seeing The Exorcist. At three or four seeing The Exorcist? Yeah. Oh, that, that's amazing. I mean, I, you know, I didn't understand it. I didn't know. I just re, I just have very clear visions of images I saw, you know. Well, shout um, out to your parents. Yeah, well, you know, uh, some some would say that they're bad parents for taking me to that. But uh, Jamie Lee Curtis would. Um, but uh, anyway... Um, yeah, I mean, I was just grateful, um, because I, you know, I'm such a fan of that, of that stuff, um, that I had that opportunity, but I mean, the reality was they just couldn't afford a babysitter, you know? So, and, <laughs> so, and my parents were like 17 and 18 when they had me. So they were young. Wow. Well, so, I mean, from that point on, you know, you started getting into horror. What was the first film that really got you hooked? I think when I really oh. got hooked was probably, I don't know, I was always interested. I remember, I remember one of my other earliest memories was seeing um, the made-for-TV movie Gargoyles on TV with Bernie Casey as the gargoyle. Um, that freaked the shit out of me. Uh, and um, can we curse on here? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And uh, that freaked me out. But I think when I really started to get obsessed was probably around 1978, around the time of the original Halloween. Um, I remember seeing that commercial on TV and it scared the crap out of me. <clears throat> and I wanted to see it. And for whatever reason, my parents didn't want to see that one. But we went to a drive-in and it was playing on the screen behind us. It was a four screens at this drive-in called highway 39 in uh garden grove california uh long gone but uh anyway i watched the entire film through the back window with no sound which even made it scarier 
<laughs> oh you know, because I had no idea what was going on, but it just seeing this guy in the mask, you know, uh, freaked me out. So Halloween 1978, you know, one thing that amazes uh, us fans, I want to dive right into it right now, is mm-hmm. is filming locations of these films. And you mm-hmm. got a show called Your Horrors Hollow Grounds, uh, where you visit various locations, uh, some of the most iconic horror movies. I, I want you to, just to talk to us about how and why you started doing that. It started, I, I think my first, uh, my first experience was I went, a group of friends and I went to a convention called the Zombie Jamboree and it was in Monroeville, Pennsylvania. It was in 1993. So I was, at the time I was 22, about to turn 23 and we went there and one of the things was that the convention was across the street from the mall from Dawn of the Dead. And when we went over there and we started walking around and this was when that mall looked exactly like it did in the movie. I mean, everything was still there, the fountains, the bridges, the stairs, you know, everything looked exactly the same. And just walking around in there, this feeling I had of, it's I, I kind of I've said this before. I feel like it's a feeling you get when you visit an old childhood home or a or your elementary school and you have this rush of nostalgia, but yet you never been there. But in your mind, you know, this place, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so it was just like, wow, this is so cool. You know, we're actually here where the movie was shot. And I filmed a bunch that weekend just you know, my buddy did actually, I think with his video camera was following us around filming. And, and I use that footage in my Dawn of the Dead episode. If you ever watch it, um, it's on YouTube. And um, that was where I got hooked. And then from there, you know, I had this in my head that was so cool to see it. And I was reading an article, a retrospective article on Halloween and Fangoria and they were interviewing John Carpenter and John Carpenter in the interview mentioned a couple street names uh, where they shot Halloween. He specifically said Orange Grove. I remember he mentioned South Pasadena. And back then, this is pre-internet. Uh, we The only way we had to get around was these, they used to be called Thomas Brothers maps. And there were map books and you would go through and you'd look up the street name and find the number and you'd go on the map and get to. So I started looking up Orange Grove and South Pasadena. And the crazy thing about that is the Orange Grove he was referring to was the one in Hollywood where the babysitter's houses were. were. It just so happened, complete coincidence, that there was an Orange Grove in South Pasadena that literally is the exit you take off the freeway to get to the Myers house. So I got off at Orange Grove and I'm just driving around. Me and my friend Darren are driving around looking to see if we recognize anything. And we, I remember it like yesterday, we were coming around a corner and literally we were in that POV shot out the front of the station wagon when she sees her dad in front of the hardware store. And I recognized everything. And I was like, holy shit. And we started (laughs) freaking out. And then we look across the street and we see the Myers house sitting in the wrong spot, but we recognized it. Like that's wait, that's it. Why is it there? That's it. You know? And then we found out later it had been moved and everything. Um, 
but yeah it was it, that's really what hooked me you know what's your favorite location that you visited my favorite location hands down because it was just the craziest most sp- sp- spooky uh, uh you know a little scary uh hardcore adrenaline rush getting in there um and just the danger element of the whole thing was uh the danvers uh state asylum from session nine because that place was dangerous it was i mean it was falling apart it was six stories you know you would look in one room and the whole thing is collapsed down six floors down and at any moment the we could have been walking down a hallway and falling through a floor and and i did at one point fall uh a floor gave way and i went up to my thigh uh, through the floor oh my god yeah um and then and it was pitch black in there you couldn't see your hand in front of your face because every window was boarded um there was bats flying around in there so you'd hear <laughs> them flying by your head i mean it was and and it's just it was scary as hell i mean if you watch that movie there's that scene where josh lucas is walking through the sub tunnels at the bottom and he's walking through these tunnels with the flashlight you know, when he hears sounds and, you know, he flashes it down, you see an image of like a sh- someone going around a corner. I mean, I had moments like that in there and it was. That would freak me out, man. I don't know. So freaky. But <laughs> it, the thing that sucks is it's gone. They tore it down. You guys like attempt to like videotape at the same time or it was just so dark that you just try to just get through it. No, I, vi- I videoed with night vision. So uh, I used a lot of that footage in my session nine episode. Um uh, cause I went back to where it was the one center of the main building is still there and they built condos attached to it. So it, it's like, it's weird. There's a little piece of it and the, and the cemeteries from the, the asylum are still there, uh, around the building. Um, but, uh, so I, I integrated that footage in, in my, uh, in my episode, but, yeah, so we filmed in there. That was the film was in 2000, 2001, I think it came out. And I went like a year later. I think I went in 2002. And I believe it got torn down probably about 10 years ago, I'm guessing. And they redeveloped it for condos. So it's like they do in uh, mostly everything. That's probably one of the craziest stories you had about visiting uh, locations. Well, the other thing was getting in there. They had 24-hour security that that drove around the buildings because there were so many people, urban explorers and stuff, trying to get in. And um, so it was like, you know, sitting in the bushes waiting for the car to pass by and then, ru- you know, rushing over there. And the first time we, like, scaled a wall and got onto a ceiling and onto another ceiling. To, I mean, we entered, like, through the fourth floor uh, there was this access um, door. If you know the movie, there's a scene where he is uh, on the roof smoking a joint. Um, and it's all, there's also a confrontation in that scene uh, that takes place at David Caruso. Okay, so Dave, uh, that was the door we went in, was that door where he was. Just what an adrenaline rush. That, and f- we spent hours in there. I mean, oh, that the was first time, question. how long were you in there for? It was probably about four hours. And then I came back maybe less than a year later 
and st- spent like probably six hours in there because I wanted to find everything. And this place was like, I'm not kidding you, like the size of a mall. It was like six stories. I think it was actually four, four or five stories and then two sub tunnels underneath the ground. Jeez. And it was like, it, it was like, it was shaped like this with a big center and it branched out. I mean, to explore the whole place took a lot of time and me trying to find every location from the film, you know, I'm, I'm going through every hallway, every stairwell, every trying to find everything, you know? Jeez, that takes a lot of guts, man. I, uh, I would be terrified. Probably. I mean, they could have turned that into a haunted attraction. If you think about it, if it wasn't so, you know, Dangerous. Yeah, the, the the money it would have cost to replay, repair that place. I mean, it, there was there was holes in the ceiling, you know, where snow and water had come through, and you know, it was it was uh, it was in bad shape for sure. It was pretty gross in there, and a ton of asbestos, just like in the movie. They're yeah. they're doing asbestos abatement. I mean, um, I may end up having fucking cancer someday from all the shit I breathed in there. Did you guys have any close calls with security or anything, or you guys were always in the clear as a team? Um, no, I don't know because that was the thing. They, the, the windows were all boarded so they couldn't see light. Like if you're walking around with a flashlight, right. we didn't have any issues with security. Um, once, once you're in, you're in. Yeah. I mean, every once in a while we'd hear the sound of the vehicle, you know, but, I don't, I, that, yeah, I, we never had an issue with getting chased out or anything, but, um, yeah, that was a, so much fun. So much fun. Did that ever happen at like any, uh, film location? You ever have any issues with, uh, oh, yeah, people Tons. chasing you out? <laughs> Tons. Was, uh, I don't know, give, give me one where you had, uh, you got chased out of a location. One just popped in my head was, uh, I was in Chicago. I'm a big fan of the movie, my bodyguard. Right. I don't know if you know it. I heard it. I never seen it though. The high school that they went to is an indoor high school. And I was trying like crazy to talk my way into the school and the security guard was just not having it. And I stood there like they were letting people in for a basketball game. (laughs) And I'm like, you know, come on, you know, and he said to me, he goes, you can go into the basketball game. Cause it was like right there at the entrance, you know, that you can go into the gym for the basketball game, like everybody else, but that's it. So I did do that because they did shoot something in that gym. Um, but then, you know, I was sitting there kind of begging the guy and he just didn't care. And a couple students were standing there list over, I guess they were eavesdropping and they were even like, come on, man, let him in, man, let him in, you know? And um, the, he just wasn't having it. So I kind of walked in a way, you know, rejected and I'm walking and all of a sudden a side door pops open and one of those kids pops out and goes, come on, man, come on. <laughs> and I'm like, what? And they say, you want to see the school, right? And I'm like, yeah. So this girl, this little black girl, you know, <laughs> lets me in. I mean, she was probably, you know, 15 or whatever. She lets me in. And so I start just going through the school, trying to find everything I can, but there were security cameras. And he was sitting at a security desk with the monitors, you know, because I saw them. So anyway, I was I got to see quite a bit and I'm walking around a corner and I see at the end of the end of the hallway, he's coming towards me. He's like, hey, I take off running. (laughs) And I just went out a side door and took off. 
you know that's, that's um, like right out of an 80s movie right there yeah yeah that you know the, there's been there's been things like that where you know like just recently we did uh i did kiss meets the phantom of the park and we snuck into the stage where they have like an amphitheater where there was a scene in the film where kiss fights these samurai guys on a stage <laughs> and it's the same stage they used in uh I think for the battle of the bands uh, in Bill and Ted's excellent or Bill and Ted's bogus journey, they also used it uh, in spinal tap. The one where they're doing the jazz odyssey thing and the guy sitting in the front going like this thumbs down. (laughs) That was at magic mountain. So we snuck into that amphitheater area and got up on the stage and all, all this stuff. And, as we were walking out, a security guy was coming and we took off running, went out the other way. Uh, you know, that kind of stuff happens all the time. You get that you adrenaline know. rush when that happens too. Yeah. You know, I've always, it's, it's always better to not ask permission and just, you know, claim ignorance, yeah. you know, like, Oh, I didn't, I didn't know. I thought, Oh, I'm sorry. You know, cause if you ask, they'll always say no, they'll always say no. Did you find that like, once youtube came out in like you know early 2000s did you automatically see that as a platform for you to continue this journey or it just organically kind of just no i that was a huge mistake on my I, part I, I, it was a huge mistake because like you were ahead of your time you know and then yeah now- well i mean i was as far as this stuff's concerned and i was the only guy really doing it um and uh you know, my stuff was on Blu-ray and DVD and all this stuff. And I was, you know, I was kind of like, I wanted to keep it special. You know, I was doing all the bonus feature stuff for like Scream Factor and stuff like that. But at the same time, I was trying to get Horrors Holograms picked up as a show. Like I was pitching it to networks. I ha- I got real close, like two times, got real close. In fact, one time, they like they said it was a done deal. It was through Sony Lionsgate and they were doing it. Uh, they were involved with oh, a channel. It was, it might've been like fear net or something. I can't remember, but they were like, they were in, they were in, I had meetings at Lionsgate, everything was going great. And then suddenly it was like, I didn't hear anything and I'm making calls and I'm like, well, you know, is Steve there? And they're like, Oh, you know, Steve's no longer with the company. I'm like, Oh shit. You know, like the guy who wanted it is suddenly gone. And then there was another time just before COVID oddly enough that somebody approached me to do it as a series. And I, at that point I was all, I was just like, I had pretty much given up on that. And so I signed a deal for like a, a 12 month exclusivity and they were going to, they were going to get behind it for a network and then COVID hit and that just stopped everything. So during COVID, that's when I was like, you know what? I'm sitting at home doing nothing. I should just suck it up and, and just, start a youtube channel start putting everything actually i had a youtube channel that i created i just never did anything with it so i had the spot so i just started uploading everything and um you know because where i knew i blew it was people would come up to me at conventions there was two things that happened people would come up to me and say oh dude i love your youtube channel and I'd be like, I don't have a YouTube channel. I'm like, oh, you know, the way you do the filming locations. I'm like, yeah, that's on DVD. And but like, you know, I saw it on YouTube. And I come to find out people were uploading my shit, you know, putting it on their own channels, you know? Oh, shit. 
it's like i found like i'm my nightmare on elm street episode had like you know half a million views and i you know someone else was monetizing it you know uh there was that and then people would come up to me and start talking to me about adam the woo and i'm like who the fuck's adam the woo and they're like oh he does he does the filming locations like you uh and so i looked into him and i saw his channel and i i was like wow this guy's ripping me off (laughs) you know (laughs) although you know it's funny he and i are really good friends now um and have even done some episodes together. I seen that one though. Does he also time. do like uh, theme parks and like Disney and stuff too? Yeah, yeah. yeah he, I think he, I may have seen him. I've seen a few of his uh, episodes, but I think you guys saw each other at a park uh, on Instagram. A- Someone reposted you, and I said, oh "My God, I know that guy's face." Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, what well. people what started to piss me off though was people are saying, "Oh, you're ripping off that. You're ripping off Adam the Woo," and I'm like, "Dude." I've been doing this since the nineties, bro. You know, what are you talking about? I'm not ripping nobody off. So, so, you know, the problem is when YouTube started happening, I could have jumped into it and probably would have had the same, you know, the close to a million followers he has. Um, but, uh, unfortunately I thought to myself, well, I want this, I wanted to get picked up as a series. I thought there was potential to make money. this is before I knew you could make money with YouTube too. You know what I mean? So I, I thought, well, if I put it all up there for free, who's going to pay me to do it? You know, yeah. live and you learn. You've been doing that for a long time. You've also, you mentioned conventions, switch gears a little bit. You're, you represent just an, ex, you have an extensive list of clientele. Are there, for those that don't know, are there any like funny or crazy stories you could talk about or tell the fans about experiences with some of the, the horror celebrities that you deal with? Oh God, there's tons of crazy stories and funny stories and. I mean, it, I don't even know where to begin, man. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's crazy stuff happening all the time. I mean, it's it's a wild. It's it's definitely a. Uh, I should write a book someday. You know, <laughs> it's 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 pretty crazy. Um, well, I mean, we, think- we've seen a lot of. You know, you even said like in 1993, you were going to a lot of these shows. From 1993 to the early 2000s, it must have just like blew up by like so much where i'm i'm trying to imagine like what a con in 1993 looked like versus the early 2000s where i think horror conventions really started to become a staple uh for everyone well the big i started going to them in 88 that's it, it when was i was around that long i didn't even know they had conventions yeah back then as far as i know the only real horror conventions that were around was fangoria weekend of horrors they used to do an L.A. show, and then they would do a New York show. <clears throat> I think they did a Chicago show at some point in there. But also Chiller Theater, which is still around, they yeah. they started around that time too, I believe. And But again, no internet if you don't know about it, you know. I mean, as far as we were concerned, me and my friends, a horror, a horror convention happened once a year in L.A., and that was it. So to us, it's crazy because it's it's hard to wrap your head around what it used to be like because for us, it was like Christmas, man. We, me and my friends looked forward to going to the Fangoria Convention in LA more than anything in the world. Like we would plan our entire year and save up 
to go to the you know one once a year we'd get a hotel room six of us would cram in one hotel room we're sleeping on the floors you know we're it was a big party it was so much fun and the pittsburgh thing zombie jamboree i don't even know how we found out about it maybe there was an ad in fangoria magazine for it i don't even know how we found out but it was um that was our first like trip outside of the outside of california to 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 go to something else you know as far as the the conventions looked pretty much what the way they look now i mean the only difference was i mean the only real difference was obviously like when we started going nobody charged for autographs um and uh usually the talent that was there were it was studio obligations to promote a new film or something they would be there you know and they would do like a free a free signing um or they would just pay maybe they paid a celebrity a thousand bucks and they they signed for the weekend you know it was probably something like that i not until that pittsburgh show was the first time a celebrity ever charged me and that was uh i remember david prowse and adam west were the ones that were charging i remember being like what the fuck you want twenty (laughs) dollars yeah you know and then as the internet happened and ebay happened autograph dealers started to happen and then they would go to these shows i remember seeing them in the early days i remember there was this one dude we hated hated this guy (laughs) we'd always see him he had a briefcase he'd always see him walking around this briefcase and he'd walk up to the celebrity's table open up the briefcase pull out picture picture and the person would just sign it like there was nobody there saying limit they would just sign it (laughs) sign it sign it and we're sitting there going come on dude you know we're waiting in line you're throwing down a hundred things you know um and then once that once celebrities start started seeing their stuff being sold online that's when the whole well we need to charge for this because somebody else is making money off of it and and ebay and the internet changed the landscape of conventions because of that, you know, um, because they could actually see the value of their signature. Oh, look, these people yeah. are buying it for this much money online, you know? Now and I'm the other thing, going. the other big thing was for us as fans, the vendors were everything, man, because now where you could, you know, just go online, type in what you want, find it. And there's tons of merchandise back in the day, there was shit for merchandise for horror films. I mean, almost everything you bought, whether it be a T-shirt or a resin kit, it was all bootleg. It was all (laughs) fan made. Um, But then, you know, so you'd sit there scouring through boxes and looking through, you know, trying to find cool merchandise. And and I miss those days, man. I miss that. The Internet has taken the fun out of, you know, the the going out and like digging through stuff you know that was that was so much fun uh, everything's changed i miss uh video stores too you know everything's streaming now the experience yeah. about just going walking into a video store yeah you reading know? the backs of the boxes and seeing oh what's this movie about and taking your time I and mean, that was you know same with record stores when you pull out an album and you look at the artwork and you you know that is i mean you can still do that you know with record stores at least you know but for the most part, it's gone, man. I mean, that 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 feeling of the hunt is yeah. gone, you know? 
yeah, hunt and, and it's like it used to be sorry, an event like you used to go to a music store and buy one or two cds and that was like the thing and you would listen to the shit out of that music for the whole weekend or every track and you would enjoy it and i remember just opening up booklets and enjoying every little page of the artwork and now unfortunately things are so accessible yeah you lose that that passion and that love like you said the hunt and um that's why you know i that's why i love horror conventions because there is that still that touch of nostalgia and there's mm-hmm. that element of surprise you don't know what you're walking into and um like you said before like chiller theater you know i i live in jersey and it originated in my town and now it's you know in a couple of towns over in jersey but that's been around for 30 years but the whole buildup and and getting your friends together and just planning something out is what's fun about that you know like i love seeing the celebrities but just walking around and just doing circles around and you know meeting people that you know and just finding that gem you know like you found this nostalgic record or anything you know it's it's something special that like you said i think online has destroyed that for us yeah and there's there's very little there's very few vendors these days that get me excited you know that you know you walk through a convention and it's like all the same shit like pop figures and you know uh trick-or-treat studios masks and this i mean i you know it, it not to take anything away, I think Trick or Treat Studios is awesome. They're giving the fans so much cool shit. But it's just like back in the day, man, finding those like this killer fan made mask that you know, or or you know, it's the originality in it. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's um it, it's I mean like the resin kit industry is pretty much dead. I mean back in the day if you wanted a figure of an obscure horror character you'd have to get some shitty resin uh model kit take it home glue it together sand it down paint it you know you now you can buy what's that you have to be a sculptor you, you yeah to well nowadays nowadays yeah. you can find action figures that are 10 times better than those resin kits and the resin kits used to be like 100 bucks you know now you're paying Thirty nine ninety nine for a killer boxed figure, you know. And I mean, that's, what do you it's, think? It's crazy the stuff that's coming out that you would have never thought in a million years would get released. You know, the convention scene doesn't change much, as you said, except for pricing. Uh, but you know, thinking about it, Sean, you know, you've been going to conventions a long time. What mm-hmm. do you think could be added to make like the fans' experience more memorable? I don't know, man. It's um, I see shows trying. You know, I see shows trying new things. Um, you know, like this, I was just at creepy con this weekend in Ontario, California, and they had a little retro arcade there. They had uh, a walkthrough haunt, you know, oh, they had a, a, a horror speed dating thing they did. <laughs> I mean, cool. they're trying different things, you know, um, which I'm cool with, you know, give the fans a little extra experience. I mean, I did, um, I, I spoke to you about it a while ago, the, the silver stream con, you know, Spencer, mm-hmm. they did a fucking awesome concert after that con where it was uh, they played for 800 people. So I think that's 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 their attempt to really take that to the next level and really have that into bring back that intimacy back to the shows. Um, the thing that Jimmy and I were talking about is. We've noticed even this year going forward, like there's such a resurgence and also 
all of a sudden I feel like cons are just exploding this year. Um, where maybe, you know, Monster Mania used to be once every six months. Schiller was once every six months. Now I feel like they're happening once every three months almost, you know, like, or a new con is popping up. Yeah. And um, I don't know. I mean, for you, as an industry guy, I think that's an awesome opportunity. But as, mm. do you see that as a challenge? Like, trying to stay fresh and, like, how do you keep the like oversaturation? The right. That's, is it oversaturating the market or is it, is it good for horror? Like, do you find that a challenge? Like, do you feel like you're, you're spread thin at times? Absolutely. Um, I think it's definitely oversaturated right now. Um, there's too many shows. Uh, and, you know, the cream is always going to rise. Um, but the problem is, I guys like me get bogged down with all these brand new little shows popping up, reaching out, trying to book our clients. And we have no clue if anybody's going to show up to them. We have no idea if they're worthwhile. And, you know, the only way we can protect ourselves is by having guarantees put in place and stuff like that. But then you don't even know if these people have the money to pay those guarantees, you know. So then you have to ask for money up front or stuff like that, you know, which makes it difficult on the promoter. But also, if you don't have the money to pay the talent, you shouldn't be booking the talent. You know, I mean, that's that's if you don't have the money, if you're relying on ticket sales to be able to pay those things off, you're you're rolling the dice, man. And 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 I I can't as an agent, I can't take that chance with my clients, because if if at the end of the weekend you're in the corner on your knees crying, begging for forgiveness, th that my client doesn't care about that. They, they're looking at me like, Sean, you said I'm guaranteed this much, you know, right. only one time in my life have I been, well, it happened, it's happened twice, but only, only one, I mean, one time there was a show uh, in Virginia Beach, I think it was called Blood on the Beach, uh, where the guy, you know, didn't have the money and he, and he, and, you know, here's the thing. I, I guaranteed my clients X amount. So I paid them out of my pocket. I paid them. You know, I said, I said, look, I made you this guarantee. You're going to get paid. So don't worry. And I'm the one who ate it, you know, but that's my reputation was more important. Um, But, you know, he, you know, I obviously pursued it. That's probably the only time I've ever really gotten burned. I mean, there was the big Walker stalker debacle. A lot of people heard a lot about that. Um, but that guy actually paid us. It took him two years, but he paid us. So, uh, you know, I give him props for following through. He came through. Um, and that was a significant amount of money. I mean, that was like between all my clients and myself, he owed like 180000 Oh, so, geez. yeah. Wow. He paid it. So, you know. I give him a ton of credit. Um, but uh, yeah, so yes, to going, getting, I kind of went on a tangent there, but um, yes, the, it's getting oversaturated. You know, there's all these, you know, shows popping up and most, and most of them are garbage. I got to be honest with you. I mean, they, they, they really are, you know, a lot, there's, there's, I'm not going to say any names, even though I'm not a fan of a, this particular promoter, but there's one show in particular who is just, they're adding cities like crazy and their shows are not good. 
None of them are good. I mean, there's some that are okay, but they're trying to build perception. You know what I mean? Like, look at us. We're in this city and this city and this city and this city. And it's like, dude, yeah, but your show sucks in all those cities, you know? <laughs> so it, they're trying it, to see, it, you know, which city is going to do them, you know, the best. Yeah. And, the and best then best. they, then they stop doing those cities because they're terrible. Then they go back to those cities. Then they cancel. They, they postpone shows for a year because we know they're not selling tickets, but they'll make up some bullshit excuse. Um, but I don't work with them. So, but I'm just saying that there's people like that out there that try to create the appearance that they're a big deal when they're not, you know what I mean? People look at, look at a show like that and they look, go to their website and they say, Oh wow, they're in like five, six different cities. They must be a big deal. That's they're trying to create the perception that they're a big deal, but they're not. Um, and uh, you know, so it's there's just a lot of like i said there's just a lot of bad shows out there and usually usually they don't last more than a year or sometimes they they'll they'll drag it out for a, a little while but then you see this i'm not gonna i don't want to call out any specific guests but you you can see the quality of the show by the guest list i mean you'll see the same suspects at oh. every show every show okay I, I'll, that, I'll throw that one tony moran if tony moran's at your show it's probably not very good all right <laughs> <laughs> oh, so. yeah you know it, that's one thing too like you gotta you have to have diversity man you can't have the same guest at every show no. uh, if you if you're finding yourself having to do that then you shouldn't have a show either um and, well the I'm problem gonna, is as the promoter you know the they you know you're gonna take who you can get for free you know, who's going to come at no guarantee? Who's going to come for maybe just a table? Who's going to come for maybe just a table in a hotel room and get themselves there? That's the type of quality of guest you start seeing at these shows. And you immediately know out the gate, you know, when I get a show contact me, so oh, we'd love to get Matthew Lillard. And I look at their guest list and it's X, Y, and Z. It's like, are you kidding me? You know, I mean, first off, do you have any clue what his requirements are? Because you know, because looking at what you've got lined up so far, you know, you have no expenses. Um, so it, it's it. I have to. It's my job to pick and choose the best uh, options and opportunities for my clients to go have. Nobody wants to sit at a table like empty in an empty room and going like this all weekend. No, you know, I mean, looking that, that's got to aggravate. Uh, honestly, that has to aggravate the talent. Like even though yeah, they get paid and, a guarantee, it's like, they feel like it's a yeah. waste of time and it could also be deflating for them. Totally. Like yeah. then, even if, even if it's the show's fault that nobody showed up, cause maybe they didn't promote it. The talent feels, they feel bad. They feel like, I don't want to do this anymore. If this is how this is going to be, you know, they start questioning, should they do it? Or you didn't do a very good job. I'm going to find someone else who can. And, 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 you know, and then they, they, you know, you get fired, you know, which can happen. So. Yeah. I'm sure it's a mix of chemistry and I, you know, obviously you said it's, it's your job to kind of put your fingers on the pulse and make sure that you're taking that calculated risk to ensure that it's a success. And also, at the end of the day, it's about the fans. You want these fans to have this amazing experience to where they felt like they've spent their hard-earned money 
and they've made they've had that moment with with their favorite stars you know and yeah and from what i've seen you know i've i've met you a few times and i feel like you guys you're like a magician you know like you make it look very effortless but i've i can only imagine what it takes to kind of just be consistent like that all the time because it's not easy there's a lot of behind the scenes a lot of drama you got to stay on top and make sure that your client's happy the show the show promoter's happy it's it's like you're you're spinning all these uh plates at one time oh dude you have no idea i mean it it that's the thing that i it cracks me up when i see these i like to call them fanagers that pop up and you know they think oh i can do what sean clark does you know i just i'll just contact so and so on on instagram or facebook and hey you want to do a convention oh cool and they don't understand that all that goes into it i mean i saw there's this one guy that, you know, popped up and then I, I see him at a convention. The dude didn't even know to get his client a banner. And then he put, hangs up a piece of paper and writes his name on it on the wall, you know? And I'm just like, dude, I mean, you don't even know what you're doing, man. You know, I, and of course that guy fired him by the end of the weekend. And, and then, you know, there's these other, and then it's become really cutthroat. You know, there's these guys out there, that are just trying to steal clients left and right. You know, they offer them a bunch of shows and, you know, they'll, they'll come up to a, like a guest and go, Hey, I can get you in this show, this show, this show, and this show. And then somebody maybe who doesn't get that much work is like, Oh, that sounds pretty good. Hmm. You know, I'm going to go with you. And then they leave you to go with this guy to come find out those four shows. There's a reason I didn't book you into them. They suck, you know? So have a good time, you know, sitting alone and uh, if, you know, if the show doesn't cancel before you even get to it, you know, I mean, it, it's, it, and that kind of stuff is really souring a lot of people. And, um, you know, there's a lot of celebrities who they have one bad experience like that and they're done. They're like, I'll never do that again. You know, um, I'm not going to say who these people are, but there's, there's a couple actors from a specific film that somebody got to, and this, mind you, this is a film that's pretty hot. And if I had put them out there, they would be killing it right now, but they got screwed over Royal by this guy and it left a bad taste in their mouth. And they don't even, if you reach out to them and ask it, they'll friggin' block you. That's how anti they are about conventions or autograph signings or anything. And it's like, man, you know, you just ruined it for every fan of that movie, you know? Yeah. What happened with that situation? Well, in that situation, the person uh, did a private signing with them, um, took advantage of them and, and gave them like ridiculously low amounts per autograph. Like, you know, somebody that should have probably gotten $20 a signature for a private signing. He gave them like five oh. um, and then booked them into a show without even telling them. And just like assuming it was okay. And then people started telling him, Hey, I'll see you at this convention. Like fans would be online and be like, what are you talking about? Oh, you're, you're, you're booked for this show. No, I'm not. You're on the website. And then, you know, so, the, so they freaked out and called the guy and fired him. And, you know, wow. it, it just turned into this big ordeal. And now they don't want to talk to anybody about it, you know? You know, I, I do think, uh, to your point before, I, I think that people, it's a great idea to actually put money down 
for talent. Um, mm-hmm. I, I can tell you straightforward, Sean. We've had I've had a couple events that were successful. We had an issue. Not really going to get into it, but we had an issue uh, in December with an event. And uh, you know, you learn a lot. You learn a lot from doing these things. And uh, mm-hmm. we're relatively new in the scene, so we learn from that moving forward. You don't make that same mistake. But to your point, that's a great idea to pay for things up front. It makes you know gives the talent security gives you know you security the agent um everybody else involved and uh, that's probably a smart move for most people well, you know you just don't want to dig yourself a hole i mean it's you know the guy from walker stalker dug himself a hole you know he he kept he was it got to the point where he was selling tickets for his next show to pay off the one before you know and it just kept getting worse and worse and the hole got deeper and deeper to where you know, he was counting on this one show to be this massive success and it ended up not being, you know, and it, and and that's when he just, you know, the floor fell out from under him. And, you know, that's the other thing. I mean, I told that guy, you know, the guy from Walker stalker, he started popping up shows everywhere. I mean, dude, Australia, Melbourne, Sydney, Germany, London, um, you know, North Carolina, Dallas, Portland, I mean, every city. And I'm like, bro, pump the brakes, man. You know, I concentrate on the good shows. You know, his Chicago show was killer. His Atlanta show was killer. You know, build up a couple other ones. His New Jersey show was was killer. Focus on those and keep those strong and maybe add another one here and there. You know, like his London show was killer. His London show was off the charts. And that made him really, you know, his eyes got wide, you know, <laughs> you know, and, and his, you know, he was crushing it. He was making a ton of money. He's like, oh, this is the biggest show in the world, you know, on TV. So he just starts booking and signing contracts. And then all of a sudden the show started to go like this and its popularity started to drop pretty rapidly. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're literally diluting your own demand. You're cannibalizing your own business because yeah. you're diversifying and and bringing it to markets that don't really need it so you have to really know fingers on the pulse like what's hot you know like Mm -hmm. and um i've seen it too like you know there's been jersey's hot you know jimmy you live in pennsylvania i feel like that's a new up-and-coming area atlanta seems like it's always it's you know getting hot too so you gotta really know your demographic and really Mm -hmm. know who's i feel like people on the east coast I'm seeing the same people go from state to state, you know, uh, whether it's in Jersey, Boston. I mean, I saw you one time in Maryland, like, you know, like people are just going up and down within four hours because they want that experience and they're willing to make the drive, you know? So, yeah, you got to know your market. You got to also differentiate. You got to differentiate yourself from other promoters too. You know, you got to bring something different to the table because I feel like, you know, like we were stating earlier, the market's oversaturated. There's conventions everywhere popping up. So, how can you be different, you know, with a convention? And that's what I, you know, I think we're seeing now too. People trying different things. Like you said, the creep, was it creepy con? Mm-hmm. Was it? Yeah. They were trying those haunts and <laughs> horror speed date. And that had to be horrific for some people. I, I feel like the recipe is almost going back to square one, you know, like keeping it simple, but keeping it intimate, keeping it to the core of why we're all here. You know what I mean? that interaction, that one-on-one or that, ex- that experience that you don't think you'll ever have 
um, until, you know, for a long time. So it needs to go back to the basics. That's why, why we love these shows, why we've been going for so long. Um, we need yeah. different guests. We need different guests. I mean, I mean, the other day, Sean, I know you represent just a plethora of people. So the other day, I, in quite some time, I was, I was speaking, was trying to speak to Jesus. I'm trying to, you know, every now and then I talk to God and, um, finally got a hold of Jesus. And he's like, Jimmy, what can I do for you? I says, trying to get a hold of you. He's like, listen, you got to call my agent, Sean Clark. I said, Jesus, mm-hmm. come on. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, like new guest, a uh, little joke, <laughs> you know, Sean, you re- you represent everyone out here. And I got to tell you, it's quality, man. Um, what you have. And I don't think there's anybody else, not because you're on the show, but just the, the names that you have and, and how many conventions you've been to and how many people you deal with. It's just, I don't see anybody else doing that, man. So I mean, a lot of credit. there's a lot of dudes. There's a lot of good people in this business that do good work. Um, there's a lot of people that suck, but you know, it, it's, it's really about also your reputation and, and, and what, you know, nobody out there, you're not going to be able to find a single person. I've been doing this 20 years, almost creeping up on 20 years now. You're going to find a single person that's going to say that guy fucked me or that guy ripped me off. You're never going to hear that about me from a client or a promoter because my reputation is too important to me. And I'm and honesty is my number one thing I pride myself on is, is honesty. And, you know, um, that, you know, you hear horror stories about, you know, agents and promoters and, and, you know, I've become with my clients they're they become my friends, you know, cause you know, we like each other and we trust each other. And, um, but unfortunately, like I said, it gets cutthroat and there's people out there, there's clients that are desperate, you know, a lot of people, this is just extra income for them. They're working actors. They got other gigs. There's some people out there that are paying their bills with conventions, you know, and, you know, and I don't fault them for oversaturating themselves. I mean, you do what you got to do to survive. Um, and, and even the ones that leave me because of that, you know what I mean? Like, like you're not getting me enough. I need one a month, you know, I need, you know, cause this is how I'm paying my bill. Hey, you know, I'm not, don't, I'm not going to, I don't want to get in your way to make money. You know, if, if, if you think you can make money without me, you know, go for it, you know, um, can't always say the door is going to be open when you come back. You know, it depends, depends on who it is. You know, I've, I've extended that offer to a few people, but you know, some that aren't so nice when they leave and be like, well, that's the luck to you, you know, <laughs> and I don't know, I've had plenty come back and say, Oh man, the grass wasn't greener. And so I went, well, good luck. Fine. You know, <laughs> good luck finding that greener grass elsewhere. Cause <laughs> Because my yeah. lawn is closed. <laughs> <laughs> Reputation is is so much, and it's also chemistry. But um, you know, just just going to these cons and seeing, just seeing the the array of talent that you have, I think you could just tell that they have a lot of faith in you. And you know, I, I've made friends with a lot of guys that you represent, and I've heard the same thing. Like you, like you said, you put your client first, and it, and mm-hmm. it shows. And you could you could just see, you know, it, it creates such a seamless experience where the clients, you know, the, the talent is relaxed. They're having fun. 
everyone you represent, like they're just, they're there and they want to be there. Um, and that's what I've noticed recently. Like, you know, chiller. I, I saw, I spent some time with, you know, I spoke to Nick. It was just great. It was very intimate. It was fun. And they have faith in you and it's like autopilot and it's because of your reputation and you, you've earned that, you know? So, and, and it reflects on that. You, you, you go into a certain room and I feel like certain promoters set the tone where some of these guys that are pretty well known or, you know, horror icons, they tend to lean to be a little money hungry and you could see it. And that's a clear definitive reflection on their promoter. You know, I'm going to, I'll tell you a story. Hi, I don't want to, I don't want to say who, I don't want to say who it is. We're probably thinking get, about the same people. You'll probably, you'll, no, no, I'm talking, no, no, uh, no. Well, <laughs> anyway, this is about a client of mine okay. who, who's still a client of mine, but I don't want to say who it is just because I'm disclosing a dollar figure. But I was with this person at a convention making a ton of money. And uh, at the end of the, he had to, he had to leave. He had to get on a flight because he, he was filming something. He had to get out of there at a certain time. And I hadn't settled up with like the photo op people or something. And, you know, and he, and he's, oh, I got to go. I got to go. Look, dude, I said, you know, I'll, I'll get the money. I'll tell you how much it is. I'll give it to you at the next show, blah, blah, blah. You know, and, he, and he's like, you know, he trusted me. He's like, okay, all right, man, cool. Out, you know, see ya. And he leaves. The next show, excuse me, at the next show, and um, we're doing our thing. He hasn't asked about the money, never never brought it up. And I go, hey, man, I go, um, you, can you uh, come with me back to my room? I, I got to give you something. He's like, oh, okay. So we go to my hotel room. We go in there. I open the safe, and I hand him this brick, and, and it was 40 grand. And he's all, he's like this. He's like, what's this? I go, that's why you work with me. And he's like, what? And I said, remember the money from the last show? He goes, dude, he goes, I completely forgot about that. And I go, I know you did. That's why you work with me. <laughs> this is why you manage, you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. yeah. And it's like, and he, and you know, you, you, you do something like that for someone, they're going to trust you forever. You know, it's like, like right. dude, I could have walked with 40 K, you right. know, I could have bought a new car. <laughs> but i'm honest you know and so you know that's the kind of example I, you know i like to i like to give when you know tell people why why i think they should work with me you know it's like well because i'm not going to screw you man you know my reputation is worth more than that so we got a little segment it's called the two minute drill what this is i ask you a whole bunch of random questions there's no right or wrong it's your answer you got two minutes uh to answer all these questions are you ready to rock and roll let's do it all right, we set the timer right now. Three, two, one. Favorite horror icon? Michael Myers. Favorite slasher? Michael Myers. <laughs> Weapon of choice? Hmm. Hmm. Axe. To remake or not to remake? Uh, not to remake. Dark Alley in New York City. Who do you want to have your back? Uh, Sean Patrick Flannery. <laughs> Best horror personality. Best horror personality? Yep. Do you mean the character or the person? Uh, the character. Uh, hmm. 
gosh, I don't know. Um, I guess you gotta go with Freddy, right? No. 80s or 90s horror? 80s. Favorite psychological horror movie? Shining. Favorite horror movie quote? Um, we got this, man. We got this by the ass. I don't know if that just popped in my head. Dawn of the Dead. <laughs> uh, universal monster of choice. Creature. Wes Craven or John Carpenter? Carpenter. Best horror voice. Uh, Keith David. Favorite Halloween. <laughs> one. <laughs> First one. <laughs> the original. Best horror movie score, I think. Ooh, that's tough. I, there's a lot of them I love. I'm a big fan of the Funhouse score. That's different. Uh, most maniacal laugh award goes to? Hmm. Uh, God, for, I, I, well, Sherry Moon Zombie is pretty good as baby. Um. <laughs> Final girl of choice. Time. Final girl of choice? Yep. Got to go with JLC. Come on. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, we, uh, we hit the time, but there's a couple questions. You did pretty good. Uh, we have uh, Ultimate Scream Queen. Jamie. Yeah. And Horror Movie Crush. Ooh. Hmm. Okay, here we go. Let me think about that. <laughs> uh, horror Movie Crush. Okay, uh, Alexandra D'Addario from Chainsaw 3D. Horror Junk Food of choice. Gummy bears. Nice. nice. <laughs> I'm, a big, I'm a big gummy bear guy. Switching gears. Mm. Uh, I looked at some of the YouTube videos you have. Uh, you had a vast collection of horror memorabilia and merch. Mm. What was your first item you acquired? And was like growing a collection a goal of yours or did it like organically happen? I just started collecting. Um, I don't know what my first... I don't know what my first item was. Because um, I've been... I mean, if I had to say my first horror movie collectible, I'd have to think of my, you know, I can only think of like the alien doll from Kenner, you know, that came out when the, when alien came out. Um, My first prop was uh, a Liam Neeson uh, skin mask from dark man, which I still have. What's your most prized collectors, Adam? The poltergeist clown. I think that one was like the first, like, badass prop i acquired that and is still one of the one that makes people freak out when they know i have it or see it you know um because so many people were terrified by that thing when they saw it when they were a kid you have it around how do you have it displayed it's in a it's in a plexiglass case high up like in a vaulted ceiling area like you can't even jump and touch it it's so high um it, it was a bitch to put up there. <laughs> if I had ex- access to it, I'd bring it over. But I, yeah, it's, it's, I, I'm I dreading um, having to take that thing down someday. I think last year I met you at Horror House, I mean, uh, Monster Mania in Maryland. Mm-hmm. And I think, I don't know if you did it, but I think you were at an auction maybe. And you were telling me about like Lost Boys trench coats or something, or, right? Mm-hmm. Was that? Was that yeah. something that you were looking into or something? Did someone buy something that, that night or? 
an auction house auctioned all four of the Lost Boys jackets, the four together? vampires. That's yeah, funny. all four together. Jeez. Yep. Yeah, that, that was going for big money, you were telling me. Yep. <laughs> yep, it did. <laughs> That's the type of shit that this guy likes. So I, I, I vaguely remember that conversation, but you said the Lost Boys trench coats. So I was like, wow, that's... Yeah, that video, that video will come out eventually. <laughs> nice. Yeah. What uh, what are you still looking to acquire? Something you know, you I on? I'm never just look. I mean, oh well, that's not true. Uh, there is a deal I just made. Uh, I can't say what it is or with whom, but I just made a a big offer. Well, it it was accepted. I made a deal with somebody to acquire all of their screen used items um and once i have them i'll disclose what it is but but it, it was a significant <laughs> ugh, significant <laughs> amount um but uh as far as things i'm looking for you know i mean in this when you're when you collect props it's just what becomes available you hear about it or it's usually in an auction uh unfortunately these auction houses kind of have the fans by the balls and their the, the prices they charge, the fees are ridiculous. It's become a big business. I want to go back to convention. I was thinking about something. You've been doing this such a long time. There's got to be something in outlandish or crazy story that happened at a convention. I mean, there's crazy stuff that happens all the time. I mean, like yeah. the most recent crazy thing I could think of was, I don't know if you heard about what happened at the last chiller. Oh yeah, yeah. And someone got stabbed, right? Yeah, and I was there when it happened. That, that I was, was literally was, right there. You were right there. Huh? Hey, that was the one day I did not go. I went Friday, Saturday, and I was like, you know what? It's Sunday. It's really dead. By two o'clock, people are wrapping shit up. Mm -hmm. Someone, yeah, someone got stabbed, right? Yeah, I didn't see the actual stabbing, but I saw the confrontation. I saw the guy grab him, and a crowd surrounded this guy because he had a apparently tried to steal a, a cell phone from a little kid who was sitting behind a table, like on his phone. And the guy went after him and grabbed him and was shaking him down. And I guess I, I walked away. And as I walked away, apparently that's when it happened. Um, and then I, I, and it was funny because I went right down the hallway in front of where it happened. And this guy was waiting for me to interview me. He wanted me to interview me for his YouTube channel. So he had his phone and I'm doing this interview and I see people running. I'm like, what the hell is going on? You know? And then, yeah, it, it got a little crazy. Here's one for you. And I haven't told this story. I was going to tell it on my podcast. I probably still will, but it was uh spookala in Ocala, Florida. This was in December the end of December. So the convention had ended and we were going to get dinner and it was like me and uh, me and my girl and um, uh, Lauren and Elliot from Terrifier 2. And I think Leah from Terrifier 2, I think she was there and, and Jamie Kennedy and his girlfriend. And we're walking down uh, away from the hotel to this Mexican restaurant. And all of a sudden, this Winnebago like RV pulls up. Like we see this RV pull up and driving it is Corey Feldman. Right. 
<laughs> and Corey Feldman rolls down the window and he's like, Jamie, Jamie starts yelling at Jamie. And Jamie's like, hold on a second. You know, and he, he goes over and I see him talking to Corey Feldman, uh, you know. So we continue walking to the restaurant. Jamie catches up to us and he's like, bro, you're not going to believe what Corey Feldman just said. And I'm like, well, first off, it's hilarious that he's driving the Winnebago, you know, the, the, this giant, like, not a Winnebago, but it was a big, fancy, like, like tour bus kind of RV, you know? And he goes, bro, he's like, he's like, where are you going? He said, oh, we're going to get dinner. And he goes, so are we. We're going to Chuck E. Cheese. Come with us. <laughs> and he's all chuck e cheese he goes yeah we're going to chuck e cheese and he goes oh we're going to this mexican restaurant and he goes well we're gonna be there for a while so come hang out after <laughs> and it, it was just hilarious that friggin Corey feldman was going to chuck e cheese now it gave me a good idea i mean valentine's day is next week i i, I know where i'm taking the missus we're going we're going to chuck e cheese she'll love that bro do it yeah that's it done deal thank you sean that's it no problem. do they take reservations of course it's a fancy place. <laughs> Top of the line. Hopefully, I see Corey over there. He's hanging out in the ball pit. <laughs> he, he he might be dressed up as uh, Chucky for all we Chucky. Fucking <laughs> rat. He might do a live performance. Uh, so you might have a special show at Chucky e. Cheese. But switching gears, Sean. Ten years from now, mm -hmm. where is Sean Clark? You know, that's a good question, man. You know, I mean it's funny is, you know, I don't feel 52, you know, but I'm 52 and, you know, people say, Oh, you know, when, you know, I, I see people I know that are like retiring at 60 and I'm like, you know, the thought of retirement has never really crossed my mind. You know, I'm, I'm constantly going and I, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's, I don't know if I, it, it, when I would quit, you know, uh, I mean, um, you know, I, there's another agent, um, I was going to say who, who he is, but I think he said he's 70, I think he said he's 72 and he's like, ah, you know, I'm, I'm not going to do this much longer. I'm 72. And I'm like, holy shit. I did he doesn't look 72. I'm like, Jesus, you know? You look great, but it's like, do I see myself doing it for another 20 years? I don't know about that, but, but at the same time, it's, it's, I'm, I'm sure it'll, there'll come a point where it runs its course for me, you know, and, and, um, you know, it's one thing that's been hard about this business is losing clients, you know, that pass away, you know, and, I've lost quite a, you know, quite a few over the years and, you know, recently Ted white, you know, and, um, and, and when I start to think about some of the people I love that I do this with, like, you know, Tom Atkins, you know, who's now he's 82 or 84 or something or awesome. Dick Warlock or Nick Castle or, you know, or getting up there in age and, you know, you, you know how life is even at 52, I could, fall down dead right now you know that i know people my age and younger have been dropping dead lately you know heart attacks and shit um so 
natural selection might just take care of me, <laughs> might retire me. But, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely, it's going to get hard when, when a lot of those horror icons from my era are, are, are retiring or passing on. And, you know, um, I'm sure at some point I'll look at my roster and realize it's it's time you know so that maybe it's time to call it a day you know but if i keep cranking i keep getting killer new clients and it keeps just banging that's, banging, that's what i think's gonna happen sean knowing you it's i mean look you got you got the terrified guys correct yeah everybody but david uh, pretty much yeah all, all the all the main casts except for uh, david howard thornton who plays art art the clown yeah yeah, yeah but it, it new it's fresh i mean it, it's the hottest thing right now too yeah, yes, just yesterday, you know, um, Elliot, uh, Elliot and his family stayed at my house because I've been friends with them for over 10 years. I've known him since he was a little kid. Um, and then Lauren, she came by on Monday. She hung out with us here on Monday, her and her husband. And uh, yeah, we've all become really good friends and they're super cool. And, you know, and that's the thing. These guys and girls, they become family, man. So it's it's tough when, you know, when you lose somebody. Like you said, the pass on that passes on. It's it's yeah, like you Ted lost White a family member. Yeah, Ted Ted White was a big loss. Yeah, that one hurt. But you know, and then George Wilbur just Wilbur, you know yeah. last week. You know. All right, so Sean, I want to give you the floor right now. Anything that you want to promote, plug, anything you got going on, floor is yours, buddy. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, if people want to check out my YouTube channel, Malfunction where I got thing with two heads podcast. There we go. That's a, that's a pretty damn entertaining show. I've, I've been watching it. Um, I would probably say the past two months I've (laughs) caught a few with, uh, Chris Nelson. And then there's horse all grounds of course is on there as well. Um, yeah. And you know, I do my collection videos once in a while. Problem is, I mean, I really, it's funny. I was telling my girl, about this i think last night during dinner that i feel like i've kind of abandoned the youtube channel currently because i haven't done anything in like a month i haven't edited i haven't even been editing i've just been so incredibly busy um with the convention stuff i mean i can barely keep up with the emails i mean it's out of control um we're just so busy right now um and anyway yeah that's i mean that's really Oh, I guess the other thing would be, um, I think it's going to be a, when's this going to air? Uh, March 1st. Oh, okay. So yeah, it'll definitely be announced before then. Um, the Halloween 45th anniversary convention, Halloween 45 years of terror, Pasadena Convention Center, September 29th, October 1st. Um, that, that is something that, you know, I, I do every five years. I've been doing it since the 25th back in 2003. Uh, it's wow. crazy to think of yeah, uh, yeah. 20 years of doing this shit. Um, so you you originated that show or? Yeah, it was wow. I, the, the 25th was me and two other guys put it on. Wow. And then the 30th and 35th, it was just me. And then for the 40th, I brought in Horror Hound to help out just because I didn't have time. Um, 
and so they're also helping out with the 45th they're pretty much they're pretty much running it like a horror hound show um i'm just there you know doing what i do you know helping out i might have to take a trip to the west coast never been yeah, never I'm, been to I'm, uh, I'm thinking about going to that show we got to see but that's going to be a big one it's going to be a big one any anybody you can unveil that's uh no, be there? no? <laughs> i'll be there <laughs> oh, there it is. There. Listen, I'm coming. I got, I got a, that's all you need to know. I got a hundred items to sign, Sean. I got a hundred items here, man. So I'm gonna not be. <laughs> big, I know the one everybody up. wants to know about. We'll see. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm. I'm hoping. I'm hoping it's who I think it is. But yeah. Any um conventions? Any new ones? I know we spoke about earlier, but any new ones that you're looking forward to? Well, I mean, there's some really good new cons. That Spookala one is one that's been great. I mean, that guy knocked it out of the park. Uh, CreepyCon knocked it out of the park. Those are two new shows that are as good as the the good shows. I mean, they are phenomenal. Um, uh, Silver Scream, I didn't go to last year. I was at another show, but... but I, you know, had a bunch of people there. My girl went, and and they they talked very highly of it. Like it's an up and comer. Um, so this year, I think I'll be at that one. So I'll get to see it firsthand. Um, and I think they're already, excuse me, outgrowing their location. I think they were they were trying to move it already. Um, but uh, they're going to do I think one more year in this location, and then hopefully move it to a bigger venue. Um, so that's a great show. Uh, I mean, everybody knows the, the good ones, the horror hound, Texas fright, Mara monster mania, chiller. Uh, those are always, you know, chiller's old school chiller, chiller, you know, it's one of those ones that's just like grandfathered in and it's all, it's, I mean, you talk about shows that are trying to add new things and it, that, yeah. talk about a show that has never tried to add a new thing. I mean, chiller, chiller has always been chiller. You know, it is what it is. This is what you get. And I, I feel uh, like, um, cause you know, I'm, I'm a Jersey guy and it yeah. goes to peaks and valleys. Like one year they'll have Elvira. Then like last year they had like, you know, um, a Cheech Marin and, and yeah, like Christy it's Brinkley. Not, and, it's constantly like up and down, but you know what? Yeah. Like, that's one of my first cons that I went to back in like the early two thousands. And it feels, it feels special to me. Like it's, I could just yeah. be by myself or I can be with my friends and um, I'm bound to run into someone. And it's, it's still, it's still intimate where even back in the day, I know uh, you probably were heavily involved in like a lot of the bigger guests in the, in the early or maybe mid two thousands, but it used to be balls to the wall. Yeah, you barely even get in. You have to wait online to get in, and now it's very casual. So, um, still I, packed I inside, it. though. It is for sure, and it's still fun to me. It's to me, it's special because it's all about like just knowing your peers in the industry, and just um, whether you meet a new guest or just vendors that you see all the time. Oh, it they they keep it. It it's still it's still intimate. So to me, I'm I'm there to you know two times a year, Friday, Saturday, I'm always there. It's, it's, it's cool for me. You know, it's, it's fun. Yeah. It's one of those shows that are, it's like become tradition. Like you have to go yeah. to, you know, 
Yeah, it's a right better or for worse. You have to go. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like you said, it's tradition. Like Friday night, I'll bring my daughter, and it's just me and her. And then Saturday, I get to like meet up with my buddies. We'll have a few drinks and just relax, and that's it. Like there's no yeah. expectations. Just linking up with uh, you know everybody that you know in the community. It's it's a family. It's yeah. a family affair, you know for sure. And you you mentioned uh Spookala and Creepy Cotton. You were with uh, Uncle Ronnie down there, Ron Sloan. With who? Well, uh, Ron Sloan. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. He no, he did both of those shows, in fact. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was I was speaking recently. I was telling that you were going to come on the show and talk very highly of you. Ron's such a good guy, man. Such he a is. good guy. Yeah. Um, a lot of respect for him. But uh, yeah, he said that show was very. Uh, it went really well. He, he enjoyed himself. Kept you on long enough. I kept you hostage. Yeah. yeah uh, three awesome. three different occasions here because uh, apparently <laughs> Jimmy J's too cheap to pay for this particular zoom <laughs> so, <laughs> but we're good we put it all together it worked out well i appreciate you taking the time and i really do i know how busy you are this is the guy it's the man that wears a thousand hats sean clark who does it all youtube channel check out the podcast check out hard uh horrors hollow grounds check out sean clark himself at a convention okay the man with the longest line just look for it <laughs> right there. i can't wait to see you down the line buddy uh thank you so much our heads thank you for tuning in and thank you for celebrating hard not only in october but 365 we're gonna see you next week